ballers. Welcome back. We're Soccer Props. And it's game time. What's up, lady <laughs> boss? Oh Hope you're having a great Friday. You sound like an angel. Oh, yeah. What's <laughs> up, lady boss? Shannon, yeah. Shannon your, your voice goes in and out right now. I don't know if it's my service, but it sounds like you're on auto-tune. It sounds kind of nice. <laughs> no, it's just because I have a great voice. <laughs> and I, I'm going in and out. It's not the service. <sighs> Whatever. So... <laughs> this episode of um, the Soccer Girl Probs podcast is a pretty awesome one. We literally got to speak to our good friend, Yael Evervush, who it was a U.S. national team player. She played at UNC. She played on a bunch of NWSL teams, and she is the creator of Techni Football, which is an awesome app that she's been cr- doing with um, helping kids with their technical st- skills and stuff. And her whole journey was just... Very, um, it was very interesting, right, guys? Like, she was very, I guess, soccer centric, oriented, yeah, oriented, yeah, like, nah, yeah, her whole life. Like, really, she knew what she wanted to do, and it, she it, it was incredible. Yeah, I feel like she had some great takeaways, just like from going to the high school to, to the pros, and kind of thinking that certain problems and struggles that she was facing would kind of dissolve into thin air, but how she really had to stop and learn how to handle them and learn how to be disciplined. And she really is an awesome role model. Mm-hmm. I feel like we've known her for, you know, a while now. And like, I know obviously about her background just cause she's been in the soccer world forever, but I felt like we found out some really fun, different stories that she even said she's never talked about. So I think everyone's going to really enjoy this episode. Yeah. Like how she met her husband, Aaron, you guys have to listen to yep. find out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy, Lady Ballers. Bye. Bye. We're rolling. All right. We are back, Lady Ballers, and we have an amazing guest this week. We're with Yael Averbush. She is such a good friend of ours. Um, if you guys don't know her, she has. She's a professional soccer player. Was she played on a bunch of the NWSL teams and the U.S. national team, and she has an amazing technical app called Techni Football, which we'll we'll speak about later on. Um, but we're so good. It's so good to hear from you, Yael. Oh yeah, you forgot no, I'm to- excited for the conversation. <laughs> You forgot to mention she was um, in our Bachelorette video. <laughs> My claim to fame. That's so true. I, I always, like, whenever I'm sad, I look at that video because I cannot stop laughing at Chip, which is Yael's husband. <laughs> that was such a funny video. Know, we have to link it in the podcast description, but yeah. <laughs> So, I think that was when she reali- really realized how crazy we were. <laughs> <laughs> when was the yeah, yeah? When was the first time that we met you? I'm trying to think back. Um, uh, you know, it's weird because I feel like it took us way too long to meet. Like it was one of those where I obviously knew who you guys were, and I followed soccer girl problems and everything. And then like, a, it was like way too long after that we actually met. I don't even remember when it was. We'd probably been a, I re- I, around each other and just. I remember. Yeah, I remember you um, You and Aaron were at an Adidas event, I think, in L.A., and me and Carly were there. Um, do you remember it was, like, in that, like, hangar, like, that airplane yes. hangar? Yeah, that was when we were living out in L.A. That's such random. Yeah, but I feel like I, def- I definitely didn't know you guys then. I think we, like, maybe met, but kind of... Yeah, it was there, a quick hello. I feel like I knew you. It, yeah, it was weird. I think we must have crossed paths so many times, but not actually. Yeah. The soccer world is so small, it's wild. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we just want to talk about just your whole journey, you know, being a soccer player and where it's led you today. And I know um, a little bit, we know a little bit about you, like you were, you knew you wanted to play soccer since you were younger. So do you want to talk a little bit about, about that? Like, how did you know you wanted to play um, that as, as a professional player? Yeah, so I, you know, when I think back, it doesn't really make much sense. But I remember like from a really young age, like kind of, not long after I started playing, um, I said I wanted to be a professional soccer player. And, like, I didn't even know what that meant, I don't think. Like, there's no way. I was probably <laughs> around nine. Um, and I, I always, from that point on, wanted to be a professional soccer player. But then, obviously, over the years, I actually learned about, like, what does that mean? And what is a professional soccer player? And even, I would say, 
in my journey and like as I became a professional player, I would always think back and be like, what did I think I was going to be doing? Or like, I don't, you know, as I traveled around the world and like moved to different countries and stuff, I kind of would always be like, did I have any concept of what I was dreaming (laughs) of when I was a kid? So definitely from a really young age, I had this idea in my mind. And honestly, I think it came from the fact that I liked playing soccer and some of the boys in my class would say they wanted to be baseball players or basketball players because they played those sports so I was like oh well I'll be a soccer player so like I don't know (laughs) when it actually started to mean more than that probably when I was in like my early teenage years um was when it like the goal really made sense to me but I definitely remember at a really young age saying that that was my goal were you a multi-sport athlete or did you just stick with soccer no, I'm so not well-rounded. Um, <laughs> I, I'm a really like single-minded person in anything I do. I really think whatever I started, if it was like violin or whatever it was, I was going to only do that thing. So it happened to be soccer, um, and I, my parents tried to get me to play other sports. Coaches would always be like, she's going to burn out. She's too focused on soccer, and I, I wouldn't do anything else. Um, so I now, if you ask me to play another sport or shoot a basketball, it's very embarrassing. I'm so bad. <laughs> no, you haven't seen me throw a softball. So you, right, Shannon and Alana? Yeah. It's <laughs> pretty it's special. So. Yeah. It's I always forget to uh, release the ball when I throw it. Yeah. It's fine. Oh, okay. Well, I feel like maybe I'm one step above that, but probably not much. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Isn't that funny? I feel like professional She's athletes not. are that way. They either were so sports specific the, their whole way and that's like their one niche that they're so good at and they've mastered or they were like a jack of all trades and can do literally every sport like there's no in between for athletes I no it is true <laughs> it is so true um so how were your parents like as soccer parents to you were they were they athletic themselves Yes, yeah, so my parents are both lifelong athletes. Um, neither of them knew anything about soccer when I started. Uh, so we definitely all learned together, but they're both um, long distance runners by trade. So they have that little bit of the crazy gene of like <laughs> doing ridiculous things to improve every day. So I, I grew up like every morning when I woke up to go to school, my parents had already done their run or workout for the day and had like showered and were making breakfast. Like it was like that was just part of what they did. And if it was snowing or raining, it was never like, oh, we couldn't do our workout. Like they'd be jumping rope in the house or doing all kinds of crazy stuff. (laughs) So I thought that was normal growing up. Now I realize how unique it is. But for me, it was like, oh, you do your training every day. That's like what you do if you're an athlete. And um, so when I started to play soccer, I think there were some like common themes that they were very familiar with that like seem normal. Like, okay, well, If you play soccer now, like, let's learn the skills you need to learn and go out in the backyard and, like, try them and all this stuff. But certainly we had a learning curve. Like, I remember when I first got my – I was on the orange team at first, and I got my, like, long soccer socks. And me and my dad were like, what are – why do you need these long socks? Like, what are these for? And so we went to the soccer store in my town, and he was a runner, so he was, like, asking about the spikes. And the guy was confused because he was like, "Uh, we don't have spikes for soccer. Um, So we certainly had some things that we all learned together, and it was kind of a fun process. So they they were extremely supportive and still are, like, my number one supporters in everything I do. But definitely we learned as we went. I like that your team name was the Orange Team. (laughs) Yeah, well, it was actually the Orange Fierce. But we had to oh, do okay. at the point when we first got our socks. <laughs> there you go. I think yeah. it's, it's so cool to have um, parents as role models like that. I mean, it's very rare nowadays to have that. So I think you were probably one of the lucky ones to have, you know, somebody to look up to, especially like, because with our generation, you know, soccer besides the 99ers wasn't that popular like when we were growing up, you know. So it's just, it's nice to hear that. And then um, just moving on to like, so you played in, did you play in high school and then you were like, okay, I want to play in college? Uh, so I, I knew I wanted to play in college like from really early point. I, for me, like being a professional player, it meant like I wanted to play for the UNC Tar Heels and I wanted to play on the national team. And that was because at the time, that's what like Christine Lilly, Mia Hamm, like all the mm-hmm. people I was watching did. So to me, those were like the two things. And I don't think I understood the difference. Like I didn't get that there was like a progression, like you would play high school, college, professionally. Like to me, it was like those two things are the goal. Um, and I actually didn't play for my high school team. Uh, I was one of, like before club players were even doing that really, I was kind of one of the first people not to. I had some really good uh, boys teams I was training with and some other opportunities. And so I chose not to play for my high school team. Um, 
which was a pretty hard decision. But I always like from even before that point, I had in mind that I wanted to play soccer at UNC. That was like part of the dream. That's so interesting. I mean, I know now, like, I went to Catholic school and a lot of people didn't play in high school, but you were probably one of the first people to do that. Did you yeah, get, like, like, a lot of crap weird. from people? Uh, everyone was really nice. Like, I like I knew, you know, the coaching staff and, and some of my friends in high school that were playing on the team were really nice and respectful. I'm sure they were confused and kind of a little bit offended now that I think back. <laughs> um, and so it wasn't – it was definitely not – like, nobody was mean about it or anything like that, but I felt uncomfortable about it. It wasn't – um, it wasn't like a normal situation and it wasn't something people were doing really. So I was definitely the different one. Um, but I never uh, regretted my decision. I think it was the right thing for me. I would have felt really conflicted. I was doing like a lot of training on my own, training with these boys teams. And I think that if I was playing for my high school team, it would have been a good experience, but I would have felt conflicted because I just wouldn't have had the time to do the things that I really was prioritizing at that point. Um, mm-hmm. So that was kind of my decision. I was like, I can't go to practice every day and play you know, all these games and still do these other things that are really important to me. So I just had to choose. And I, um, you know, I think I feel more weird about it now looking back than I did at the time. (laughs) No, it it makes sense, though, like, especially because you're such a technical player. And I mean, depending on your high school, it's probably a lot of different, you know, a a very different style of play than that. So, yeah, I mean, I I think it would have been fine. But in general, my high school team was made up of some players who were club players and some who just played during the high school season, which was mm-hmm. totally fine and how it is, I think, in a lot of places. I just was kind of like needing to keep up a level of intensity that I didn't feel like I could do when playing for that team. Yeah, I mean, that totally makes sense. When I look back, I had that same similar situation where I was playing on three teams at once and my high school coach was like, you need to come to this practice. And then my club coach, well, actually Paul Riley, he was like, you need to quit high school because you just can't, you can't spread yourself so thin. And I remember my mom was like, no, you are staying on the high school team. Like you're, you're doing this. And I get it. Like it's so much. And like when you want to play it, you know, when you wanted to play at the next level, you wanted to, to work on the things that you wanted to work on and you can't do that when you have no time. So I totally get yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so like, Okay, so when was the first time, like, do you remember going to um, any, like, college showcases or anything like that where you, where you got recruited, or did you kind of get recruited in another way to UNC? Yeah, so I think what I realized is when I started to go through the college process is, one, I had always wanted to go to UNC when I was younger, and then uh, my mom, who's an author, actually uh, co-authored a book with Anson Dorrance, the coach wow. there, and so... Wow. Yeah, which is really cool now, but at the time as a teenager, I was like really embarrassed <laughs> about it. And people were would say things like, well, of course you're gonna go to UNC because your mom like knows Anson. And so I got really defensive about it. And I was like, I'm definitely not going there. I'm gonna like find a program that's gonna beat UNC. And I was, re- I actually was like, <laughs> had like this weird hatred of UNC, a very strong one. And then basically what happened was, this seems funny now, but it was like very traumatic at the time. It was like, I visited all these other schools and I was being recruited, but I think what's important for players to realize is like, I, it was a two-way process. Like I wanted to pick the school I wanted to go to. So I reached out to schools. I asked them to come watch me play. It wasn't just like everyone was like, oh, come play for us, come play for us. Um, and then I went and visited those schools with my dad um, and we like, you know, saw what it was like on campus. We went and watched practice. And basically what happened was I didn't really want to go to any of the other ones either. So I was like left with no choice. And I was like, I guess I would regret it if I didn't go to UNC. I still did not really want to go there though. I honestly did not want to go to college at all. I would like cry about it. It was so bad. Um, and then I was like, well, if I have to pick one, I would regret it if I didn't go to the one I said I wanted to go to all along. So fine, I guess I'll go there. Um, so it was a very strange process for me. And I actually committed to play at UNC during my senior year so I kind of waited a long time and I remember literally I remember literally crying and being like oh I have like no other choices left and I had to do it isn't that so so funny and then I feel like that's so unique in hindsight you're like what the hell was I thinking (laughs) yeah well now it's funny at the time it was so upsetting and I actually really haven't shared that with too many people but my my emotions about it were really strong like I hated UNC for a while and I I actually bet my 
friend and teammate at the time, I think I bet her $50 that I wouldn't go to UNC because she was like, of course you're going there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you pay her? I never paid up, though. Uh-oh. I have to admit, you I know, owe her. I know. <laughs> I know. I got to send her a check. So I have a question. Was that, was that hatred, do you think, all derived from, like, the external stimulus of people saying things and, like, others' expectations and things like that? Um... I think so. I honestly can't remember like what my exact mindset was, but I remember I had a really strong feeling that I didn't want people thinking I was getting some like special treatment. Yeah. So um, it it was like really driven by that, and I was and I think out of embarrassment too that I felt like uh, I didn't know if UNC actually wanted me to come play there. I thought like maybe it was just I did I believed kind of what other people were saying like maybe it was just because my mom knew them and like. I never wanted that. I didn't want to like play all four years somewhere and like then people be like, oh, well, you're just here because your mom or something. So in my mind, like I needed to prove that this was my own path and I didn't even want to take any chance of what people might say. And that, the reality is, as everybody knows, like once you get to college, like no one remembers any of that stuff. Yeah. Like none of it actually matters. So the second I was there, it didn't matter at all. But in my head, I was going to be somewhere for four years and like it would always be looming over me that like my mom wrote this book. With him. Yeah, I think that's so. I just found the book, by the way. <laughs> I want to read it. It's a good book. Um, But I did hear Anson's. That was another part. I heard Anson's voice on the tape. So my mom would go down there and like and interview him and tape record it and then bring back this tape recorder and write up like in his voice, write up the book. And so I heard his (laughs) voice in our house for like years straight. And I I started to hate it so much. So I (laughs) had this very weird. um, I had a very weird experience with UNC before I actually went there. That is so funny. That is hilarious. And I just think that that's really like a, an awesome point for you to talk about openly because I, I think we get everyone, especially at that age, like being in high school, you get so caught up in like, what is this going to look like to people or what are people going to think? And what if someone mm-hmm. says this and someone says that, that you let it, and we all do, we let it steer a major decision that we're supposed to be making just for ourselves. And I think that's just really yep. cool that you like spoke about that openly because I think so many people are so worried about what someone else is going to say or what someone else is going to think. And at the end of the day, that shit just doesn't matter so much. <laughs> I, I, that's such a good point, Alana. Yeah. I feel like I also, like when I was looking at schools, I was so focused on, I needed to go to division one cause I needed to, you know, prove to everyone that I could do that. And we, we spoke with Melissa Ortiz. She went to a D2 school and it's like, who cares what division it is? I, know, it's I so mean, true. she played professionally. It didn't matter. And I mean, I wasn't going to play pro. I could have went to a D2 or three and got a different education, you know? So I feel like you need to make the choice on what college, like based on really what's best for you. Yeah. None of those things matter. Like it was such a big deal who was going to what college and who committed where literally until we got there, then it doesn't matter at all. And I know yeah. this is something I kind of talked to youth players about too, is like, um, when I was at UNC, we had players who were recruited and on full scholarships who like never played and walk-ons who ended up being captains. Like it, the how you get there and how you come in like really doesn't matter. It's what you do actually when you're there. So I think there's this whole impression that like your legacy is going to follow you, whether like good or bad. Yeah. And re- the reality is like go somewhere where you're going to be happy and have a good experience. And like that's really all that matters. I love that. That's so important. <laughs> Yeah, like you were saying too, you were like, it's a two-way experience. Like, I think sometimes lady ballers forget that, you know, they don't have to sit there and wait for emails to come in that people are interest- interested in them. Like like you said, Yael, they should go and be proactive and, like, find a school that is so fits them so well that, like, on paper and go figure it out and attend, you know, go to their, camps and, uh, their um, campus and stuff. So I think that's such a good point that you made. So, so, sorry, you go. Ahead. I was waiting. I was waiting in case someone else was going to speak. Um, I was going to say, so from UNC, what was your experience like getting into the professionals? And uh, we've also talked with you about like stress and anxiety and how you feel like that has impacted your game. And I feel like at the professional level, that's where you're going to experience the most amount of stress. So what was that like for you? And, and how did you learn to kind of navigate the ups and downs of it? Yeah, it was actually a really difficult transition for me um, into playing professionally. I think soccer-wise, I was pretty prepared. I mean, at UNC, I ended up having a great college experience, by the way. I, I loved everything about it. I, I like made a decision just on soccer and ended up loving the school, loving Chapel Hill. Like, So it was all good once I got there. But um, 
I think soccer-wise, I was very prepared because I had played with like national team players and some of the best players, honestly, in the world in my college experience, which is why I wanted to go to UNC uh, in the first place back in the day when I did want to go there. Um, but as a pro player, uh, I think I had the kind of wrong impression that like, okay, now I'm pro, like smooth sailing, I made it kind of. And very quickly I realized like this is when it actually starts. Like there's a whole new set of challenges and nothing changes. Like the same ups and downs in confidence, the good and bad day in training, the coach who likes you and plays you all the time, the coach who doesn't like you and never plays you. Like it all exists still in, at the professional level. And, it, and it's actually even harder emotionally because it's now your everything. It's your job. Like you don't have class to go to, uh, all your friends living with you to socialize all the time. Um, and so like, if you have a bad practice, I remember it would literally stick with me all day. And I, I had to start to develop, um, kind of some coping mechanisms, mechanisms I would do. I, I was allowed to be in a bad mood for the drive home. And then once I showered and then once I got out of the shower, I was like, okay, I have to have a fresh slate, which is sometimes it worked better than other times. Um, <laughs> but really like the, I think that. I had a very hard first season as a professional. Um, our team had a lot of different coaches and one that was really, really like, I think emotionally abusive. And, and then we ended up going through a bunch of coaches and it just, um, my confidence was really low. And I think it actually affected me for a number of years through my career. So I actually, as a professional player, like I had a lot of amazing experiences. I got to play all around the country and like internationally as well. I, I met some of my best friends ever playing professionally. I loved the teams I played on, but the reality was a, it was not easy for me. It never felt like really that fulfilling or that smooth of a sailing. Um, so overall, I would say my professional career was like very much a roller coaster ride. I, you, you mentioned that your coach, you had like an emotionally, you know, a, did you, I don't know if you used the word abusive or just, what did you say, emotionally? Yeah, no, I think I did. It, it was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I definitely, we've. I don't know if we've talked about it on the podcast, but we've, you know, all had that situation at some point, which is really, like, just awful. Um, I feel like that's changing at the lower levels. Like, I think there's more, you know, awareness about that. But I definitely think that players need to know that that's not okay, mm -hmm. that you're not supposed to have those situations. And it's very unhealthy. Like, I remember there were times in college when someone that was at our school, it wasn't our coach, but another um, person there ha was doing that. And we would joke about it and, like, would think it's okay that someone says things to you that in, in no other situation would that be okay. Mm -hmm. So hopefully, like, people can take away, like, Lady Bowlers, that you should speak up and, you know, have the courage to speak up and make sure that – you don't keep yourself in that unhealthy situation. Yeah, I think it's super tough, especially as an athlete, because like there is such thing as a tough coach. Like and, and yes. the line is so blurry, like between when you just need to toughen up and be able to take criticism and when like this is just not right. And mm -hmm. I didn't even have within my like wheelhouse to be thinking about the fact that it might not be right I was like oh it's on me like why can't why am I playing so badly why is my confidence so low why am I so nervous for practice but the reality is like people were really suffering like this coach was was terrible like he he was scary and like physically intimidating and things that like are not we now like it's true there's a lot more transparency surrounding this like we now know it's not okay but it's tough because the line is very blurry and I think especially as female athletes, we always look to ourselves like we're so honorable, like, OK, well, we just need to do better or like, OK, this is a good learning experience or whatever. But sometimes it's just not OK. Um, and this one was not OK. And he ended up um, being fired. So uh, finally got taken care of. But some definitely a lot of mental damage had been done. And, and it wasn't just me. You know, a bunch of players, I think, were really kind of a little bit scarred from that. So it is kind of a good message is that there's certainly a line and you should never feel scared when you're showing up at training or terrified of making a mistake like those are not healthy normal feelings you should obviously want to do well and it's fine if a coach pushes you but there's like there's a, a line there for sure yeah. yeah and I feel like it's also hard when like everyone's going through it so it's like okay well if everyone else can handle it, why you know then I should be able to too mm -hmm. like I feel like that's a feeling I had a lot with that yeah and as a professional too you're like this is my dream I'm not gonna what are you gonna, you're gonna yeah. like quit the team when you've like worked your whole life to be at that level so I think it even gets heightened the higher the level oh, yeah. you get to the more difficult it is to say hey wait a second this isn't right because you're mm -hmm. everything you've worked for is in jeopardy 
I remember. That's like, so true. I remember, you know, some of our teammates were just scared to even say anything because, like, we, you know, you don't know if it's okay or not. And I just, it just got me thinking, like, at the, the at the time when you were feeling this way, like, did you tell anyone or did you tell your parents? Um, you know, like, did you talk about it with your teammates at all? Yeah. So. Um, my teammates and I definitely bonded over this somewhat. I think none of us really knew what to do, but we would certainly talk about it. And I think that's one of the best things is like, you always have your teammates. And actually what I've found is on teams where the coach is like most difficult, I think I end up being the closest with my teammates because you like need each other so <laughs> yeah. much. Um, so I had, you know, amazing teammates and we did the best we could. And we all certainly like were really bonded together and had a great relationship. And then my parents were really aware as well. But, you know, it's one of those things too, kind of like we talked about as like a teenager and stuff when your parents are like, this is not okay. Like you have to do something. And I'm like, you guys shut up. I'm not going to be the one to, to say something here. Like, so we always <laughs> had that battle too. It's like, they would actually be looking out for me and probably were totally right. Like this is not okay. You need to step up. You need to do something about this. But I was not going to be the one to do something about it. Um, cause I was, I was scared. I didn't know I was a rookie too. Like it's a very tough situation. So, uh, I, I definitely did talk to people about it, but kind of, I think we were all helpless in the situation, to be honest. Yeah, th that's that's why I brought it up, though, because I feel like back then, like, that's how we all we all felt at times. But, like, I feel like now we, Lady Ballers should know that, that they're not going to be put, you know, put to blame for speaking up. But I think it's important for them to, to tell someone when they have a gut feeling that something's wrong. That's kind of where I was going with that. But yeah, yeah. I we totally feel you. Like it's such a big soccer girl problem that's happened. Yeah, for sure. I actually think too, I do want to point out, like I know obviously um, this is mostly like girls and women listening, but um, like this is something too that the guys deal with as well. And it's even harder for them sometimes, yeah, I think, to say so like, true. hey, because there's such a stigma attached to like being tough and that. And I've known of situations where it like really damages like young boys mentally and emotionally, like just the same way as a girl, but there's even more pressure to like mm -hmm. just suck it up and not say anything. So it's definitely every, this is like a problem in sports, I think, altogether. And I, I, there's something else that you said before, too, is that you, you expected to go to the professional level and it to be smooth sailing to some degree, you know, and you were encountering all these ups and downs and, and the stress of letting a bad practice hang over you or a coach that doesn't like you. And I think that's such an important thing to note that those aren't problems that you can run away from because they're always going to exist. So you have to change how you handle them and how you deal with them and how you effectively kind of cope with them. So how did you kind of adapt to being better at managing stress and and the anxieties of playing at that level. Yeah, for sure. I think the point you made is really good. Like those problems don't go away. You have to deal with uh, deal with like how to handle them. And that's like one of the most important um, things that I think any player can learn. And it's also so important for players to realize like that doesn't end whether your goal is to play in college or professionally, like once you get there, you need those skills even more. So it's best to, um, if you're in a good environment or a comfortable environment, now that's the best time to develop the skills, not when you're like at the highest pressure moments of your career and like really need them. And I think I had not really thoroughly done that. Like I was, I had been in a lot of situations where I was uncomfortable with the only girl in an all boys team or playing up with older female players, but I didn't really develop um, good mental skills in terms of like treating myself kindly and being forgiving of myself that was something I really had to learn um, I was so hard on myself and I didn't need to be because I already had others being hard on me um, and that was something I've dealt with my entire career is like uh, kind of I think this is my best advice and the best advice I got from someone else I can't remember who was like make sure your self-talk is like you would talk to a teammate. So you'd never speak to mm -hmm. a teammate be like, what the F is wrong with you? Like, what was that? That was terrible. You're the worst. Like, you would never say that to someone else. Like, don't say that internally to yourself. And so that was something that certainly a work in progress for me. Um, I think the other thing is, like, as a pro, I read a ton of books about, like, the journey and the process and kind of um, it took some pressure off of like e each single moment because I was able to see it as like a broader thing. Like this is like a body of work that you're working every day to be this player, but like your performance in each individual moment doesn't matter as much as I was feeling it did because, you know, 
I think a lot of us, there are very few players, especially if someone's listening to this podcast or doing extra work or wanting to play college soccer, wanting to be a professional, very few of those players need to put more pressure on themselves and like hold themselves to higher standards. I think it's like a, such a low percentage. There are some players who do, but like most of us actually hire, hold ourselves to extremely high standards and have to kind of loosen that up a little bit. And this is something I think really affected me throughout my whole professional career. I almost never was able to get to the point where I felt comfortable and like I could be my best because I think I really had a lot of mental stuff built up and a lot of pressure I put on myself, uh, especially having to do with, you know, as a young pro, it was my dream to like be the captain of the national team and really like impact the women's game in a way that was like pretty lofty. Um, and to be honest, no matter what happened, I probably was going to feel a little disappointed. But the longest I, the longer I went in my pro career, the less the chance of that seemed possible. Like it was a struggle for me to get opportunities with the national team. I, I did have 26 caps, but like I wanted to be a starter. I wanted to like be a mainstay on the team and it was really hard. And so the older I got as a professional and the less that seemed possible, the more pressure I started to put on myself. So it was a really, a uh, really tough thing for me. And I think Looking back, I wish I had approached it slightly differently mentally, but obviously looking back, there's a lot of things we could do differently and it's, you know, you don't get the opportunity to go do it again. Yeah, it's like you can't regret what you did because it's brought you to where you are today. And I mean, you're impacting so many players still like beyond beyond your, you know, playing career. But I think the point that you made that like your mentality is so important and just being compassionate and like forgiving, like if you mess up and you know, it's kind of like if you are, if you're forgiving to yourself, you're going to let it go, you know, a lot quicker than you would if you were putting so much pressure on yourself. So that the way that you talk to yourself is so important. And I think that's an amazing point that you made. We'll have to put the link um, to in the bio or uh, in the description for this yeah, for the uh, 28 day motivation challenge you did on our blog, because I feel like so much of that dealt with stress and you know, conquering your fear and doubt and everything. And I think everyone would really benefit from doing all the, you know, the 28 days of that. I mean, I remember going through it myself and like a lot of it is questioning, you know, questioning inside and really like figuring out like what, where is this coming from? Like these underlying issues within yourself. So yeah, now is a good time to do that reflection too. Yes. Like sometimes hard when you're so busy and you're like doing so many things, but uh, the less so you have true. to do, the more you can like kind of regroup <laughs> yeah and I couldn't agree yeah. more that like the more downtime you have the more you actually have time to uh, with your thoughts you know like you yep. don't have anything distracting you nowadays so I think that's just that's such a good idea to, to do that challenge can you tell us more about the um, players association because you created that right yeah so uh, myself and a few other active players um, at one point realized like it's totally normal for all industries, but especially like in sports, you have players associations, but all industries have a union or somebody to speak on behalf of the employees. And we didn't really have a voice as players, as professional players. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, a few of us took it upon ourselves. Honestly, I always, now I look back and like what I was trying to do, I was really just trying to create like a group me group so everybody could communicate. Um, that was like my actual goal. I was like, okay, we'll get a couple players from each team to be in this group me group. If people have questions or things, we can create a relationship with the league, bring those questions to the league, get information from the league and send it back out to the teams. And then I was like, okay, great. I would, you know, success. Uh, fast forward a few years and now I'm like, wow, I didn't quite like intend or understand what I was starting. I didn't like really mean to um, to build this, but I do think it's super important. And now we have a, a bunch of amazing players who are really uh, taking the charge and leading it forward. So I guess like when I look at what our uh, kind of goals, our jobs are as a players association is there's kind of three parts. One is that communication. So that was the initial plan. Uh, can we just make sure like players' questions can get answered? Or if there's an issue, it doesn't end up on Twitter. We can get it to the league and allow the league to address it, kind of that thing. And then also as the league progresses and makes decisions, like actually for us to have an active voice in the progress of the league, and that's really, really important. Um, and then the third part is supporting players to continue their education, find second sources of income, build their personal brand, like 
do all of the things that I, as an older player, realized were super important and started to do myself and see if we can get more players um, to not have to step away from playing professionally because they can't make enough money or because they don't want to like lose time on a second career. You know, you can start all of that and do all of that parallel to your playing, which you shouldn't have to as an athlete. I think our mm-hmm. hope would be that one day that would be just totally a decision if you feel like it. But the reality is right now for women's soccer is that most players do need a second source of income or do need to be doing something on the side to uh, prepare them because you don't you can't retire and then take some years off to figure out what you want to do next. It's just not the reality of how it works. And that's so important. I was going to say, even from when we were talking to Jess McDonald, she was getting to the point where she couldn't find childcare while playing and it was putting a pressure on her to have to stop playing. And that shouldn't, like for these athletes that are the best and that are destined to, to be playing professionally, they shouldn't have to have that external struggle that's threatening their ability to to play what they're good at so i think it's so important that you started the association just even so you guys have a voice like you were saying in any business the employees have a union they have a voice they their questions are answered or their problems are are dealt with so i think that maybe you didn't intentionally start that but that was a crucial crucial thing that this league needed so thank you (laughs) oh well thank you (laughs) you're such an entrepreneur well, I didn't, mean, I didn't mean your to be. <laughs> it was an accident. It's pretty honestly. incredible. <laughs> That's actually similar so, to us, too. It was an accident as well with soccer girl problems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes yeah. it just happens like that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the, the beauty of it. Right, so, so tell us, I was yeah. going to say, sorry, we all went to go ask the same question at the same time, I bet. Uh, I was going to say, uh, I was going to ask her favorite sandwich. Oh, oh, well, so. I guess that was exactly what I was going to ask. <laughs> no, go, no, you go on. I was going to say, tell us about Techni. Like, explain that to our listeners if they haven't already downloaded this app. And now is the time to be doing that individual development. Tell us what it's about. Tell us how you think it can affect their game. Give us the whole rundown. Yeah. So um, again, I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I started this. I, uh, as an active player, about three and a half years ago, um, I I had been putting out videos on YouTube and on social media, like all kinds of training ideas and like skill challenges. And I really started to enjoy um, interacting with the soccer world like that. I think I had so many really good coaches and mentors um, throughout my career who showed me creative things to work on on my own. And that was like really a huge way that I connected with the game and something that always I always come back to it. Like if I had a bad day, I go out with my with my music and kick against the wall. And it's just like a freeing part of what I do and part of the game that I really, really love. Uh, So I was sharing these things and I felt like there was kind of the desire for a little bit more of a substantial, um, like real training progressions that players could could follow and track their progress and connect with others about. So I had this idea, I was going to create, I was going to have this app built and then just schedule it out, all these training sessions and like sit back and it was just going to like go on its own. That was my plan. Um, little did I know that's not how a business works at all. Um, so fast forward three and a half years and now we have a team of five of us. So it's still a very small company, but we basically any individual all around the world can download the app from the app store. And we actually have a one week free trial if you haven't tried it. Um, and then you can use it as an individual or we work with a lot of teams and clubs to offer it to their players. And the whole idea is it offers like the blueprint in terms of the guidance of what you can be doing as a player. So with the whole idea that it takes literally thousands of hours of work to really become like a master of the soccer ball and be able to do what you want with it on the field. So it provides the blueprint so that players have ideas of what to do and that it's fun for them and allows them to track their progress as well as compete with others on leaderboards. So it's kind of like a whole system involved of um helping players to kind of refine and learn technical skills, but also more so uh, to learn like about that process. And that's a process that I've really, I I love so much. And I still like anytime I go out with the ball, it's kind of like an obsession of mine. So the hope is to allow others to kind of feel that same feeling of what it's like to get better at something and then feel yourself be able to get into a rhythm when you're doing a skill and then feel yourself in a game, perform that skill that you've practiced over and over on your own. I yeah. love it. I, I wish I had something like this when I was growing up because I just remember, like, first of all, it was pretty paralyzing not knowing what to do, 
like on my own without my coach guiding mm-hmm. me you know like we didn't have apps back then so it was definitely hard so having this now like i'm very jealous of the of the lady ballers who and and guys that are probably using your app um to work on their technical skills literally at home by coached by a professional it's really incredible Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I basically tried to create something that I would have wanted as a player, like as a younger player. So I, I definitely I would have been like one of the psychos using this all day, every day. So that's kind of where where my vision was. I love your vision. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, I I mean, I was never a technical player. And I was always definitely self conscious of that in practices. I mean, I would put in so much work on my own time. But I think that's something like this really could have helped players like me who they're willing to put the time in. It's just they need to get their skill level up. So I feel like this is awesome. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, and that's the idea is it's also a lot about the confidence is like players get a lot of confidence when they know they've like done the right things and they're going to be comfortable on the ball. Similar with fitness, I think. It's like if you go into preseason and you know you're not fit, you're going to be like so scared. But if you feel confident, (laughs) like you've done the work and you know you're ready, um, it goes a long way mentally. Absolutely. Yeah, we were talking, think- I think it was the three of us were talking about our coach used to make us do drills where we'd have to like do a move and take a shot. And I remember being so stressed <laughs> oh about God. it. I would just like do a triple scissor, you know, <laughs> trip on myself and just like shank it. So <laughs> this would have been a great way to build up confidence. Absolutely. So that's great. <laughs> I-, I love the videos of you schooling Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Well, most times we have to play in a very small field because most times um, anything we do that's like it takes any type of movement, he will crush me. So I make up games that are like <laughs> are really play to my strengths. <laughs> that's the key. It's so smart. Did you guys meet playing soccer? Uh, actually, yeah. Fun- so funny story. I guess apparently we had played pickup together before. But I don't really remember it. But um, <laughs> so I was actually out. Uh, speaking of like playing on your own, I was out on a, um, the game field at UNC after I I had uh, finished playing there, but I went back after my first season as a pro and I was like just kicking around on my own and working on stuff. And it was kind of late at night. And then these two guys uh like came onto the field and were kicking around and I was actually mad because I was like wait they're not supposed to be on the field it's like this beautiful grass field like I didn't want them to mess it up and then I was like oh wait they're kind of good and so um they were like strategically kind of kicking the ball over closer to me and so I was like finally I said I said something uh I forget like how the conversation went but then so I that's when I met Aaron and his friend and we would play um we would play 2v2 all the time. It would be me and Heyo against them. And that was like our whole uh, off-season training. We would play with them almost every day and play pickup. And so that's how I met Aaron. Oh, my god! That's so funny. That's crazy. The game literally. Imagine you just got off the field and you didn't, you never met him. Oh, I know. It was well, meant I think, to be. I was like also wondering, like, should I say something or whatever? I mean, yeah. I think I probably would have met him at some point because we were around like playing pickup that off-season. But uh, the mm-hmm. funny thing is, too... When we first played, I haven't uh, told really anybody the story, but when we first played 2v2, uh, Aaron and his friend were very good. And so Heo and I were a little bit outmatched. Um, and Heo, um, Aaron is very fast. And Heo kept trying to push the ball, like do her signature move and push the ball by him and, and run and like go get it. And Aaron was like pretty obviously laughing at her because he would kind of just like almost (laughs) jog to it and take it and I was so embarrassed because I was like I don't know if these guys know this is like a gold medalist like you can't disrespect her this is Heather O'Reilly so at a water break I was like you guys you realize like who this is right and they were like yeah we don't care (laughs) so I was like okay as long as you know I was so embarrassed for them that's really funny it's kind of it's wild that the game brought you guys together it's such a great love story Yeah, it's a funny. We we always think back how funny it was too, because we were just friends for a really long time, and everybody else thought we were dating, and we would always be like, "Ew, no!" Like we're just friends. (laughs) That's hilarious. All right, we ready for some rapid fire, guys? Anything else you guys want to cover? Rapid fire that never ends up being so rapid. (laughs) It's a it's a slow burning fire. (laughs) That's that makes me feel better because I was getting a little nervous. (laughs) We ask we ask like follow up questions in rapid fire. We're like, all right, we're defeating the purpose. (laughs) (laughs) All right, first one. Um, What's your favorite pump up song before a game? Ooh, I like. I'm like really old school. I like uh, like '90s techno. Ooh, Ooh. like what? Cascada. 
Yeah, yeah, that would be on my list. I'm trying to think of like my one. If I had to pick one, sorry. Yeah, this I'm already ruining the rapid fire. <laughs> no, um, don't worry. <laughs> let me let me. Uh, I have to pull up my music on my computer real quick, and I'm gonna get back to you on, on my number okay. one. Was this like Jock? <laughs> you guys are gonna laugh though. Was this like the Jock uh, Jams? Yeah, theory? but this is like a little more like um, Jock Jams, but. I'm like, like girl more talk? of the hardcore, like hardcore, like real techno. Hold on, I'm gonna find. Wow, it's not, it's not, it's not that hardcore. Okay, I'm talking myself up. A little bit. <laughs> Let me see. Let me see this. Uh, the title of this, the title of this episode is gonna be hardcore techno <laughs> enthusiast. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I can't think of. I, I, I gotta. Um, I gotta look up some '90s techno, and I'll let you guys know. Yeah, this is okay. okay. Before the end of the episode, I'm gonna find it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, funniest moment during a game. Ooh, um, <laughs> this wasn't actually something that happened to me, but I remember one time. I think it was maybe my senior year at club. My uh, my teammate somehow it was like a really wet day. Um, I, I don't know. This like. I haven't thought of this literally since it happened until you just asked this. But she somehow slid forward and her um, shorts like slid down and she was wearing Care Bear underwear. Like really embarrassing. Like like definitely not something that a senior in high school should be wearing. And she wasn't even that embarrassed, but we were all like, I mean, I was like... I couldn't breathe. I was like suffocating. Oh I was laughing so hard. But that sliding, That's sliding the, it, the friction on the ground, ripping your pants down. I've watched that happen multiple times. That is a real. Oh, thing. it's terrifying. It's happened. Yeah, to it's me. really like make sure your game underwear is very nice and normal because it could happen anytime. Sure Care bear. Make sure you're wearing underwear. Yeah, that, yeah. that too. That too. So true. <laughs> okay, I have a couple of techno songs real quick, and people could, uh, might need to perfect. look these up because I actually don't know them by name, but I know them if I hear them. Uh, no limits, too unlimited. Okay. You gotta look that one up. What is love? Hadaway. Yes, we know that one. <laughs> yeah, these are like these are really like be my lover. Like I can't if I could. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, you guys are gonna know these. These are like the super cheesy. Yeah, these like, are like 90s. I love those. Room pump up yeah. songs. Yes, yes. Those are those are my like I still go back to those. If I hear them, I get like so. I love up. it. I love it. Those are classics. Um. Okay. Next question. What was your worst injury? Um, well, I actually, I would say knock on wood, but I forgot I'm not really playing anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I was really fortunate throughout my career to not have had any uh, terrible injuries. I had two that like kept me out for any meaningful amount of time. One in college, I had a stress, stress fracture. Actually, this was funny. I, I had like a really ongoing pain in one of my shins and this like weird lump from getting just kicked a lot in the same spot. Cause that always happens to us, right? Like anytime you get kicked in one place, it just, you're going to get kicked anywhere else <laughs> except for that. Yeah. Um, and so I went to get a, an MRI on it and then it turned out I had a stretch fracture in my other leg. So I was like, wait, what? Oh so I had gosh. to rest, but I was like convinced that it wasn't a real thing. So I was out for a couple months for that. And then, um, I, I, Brained my MCL uh, in one of my later seasons uh, as a professional and uh, was out for a little bit because of that. But I, like I said, I feel so lucky. I got through a very long career with really minimal injury, like almost unheard of. Um, that's part of it is because I'm a psycho and I did like ankle exercises every day of yeah, my life. Yeah, that shit um, matters. So, yep. That makes it But yeah, yep. no, I, I think like being diligent about that stuff, one, not playing when you feel like something's a little wrong like a lot of players play through a lot of pain and like for me it was never worth it in the short term like if I felt like something was wrong I would sit out and then I'd be fine in a couple of days rather than like doing something crazy and then um pulling a muscle but then also I did part of it is I was really diligent I would warm up thoroughly I took care of myself I did a lot of like injury prevention exercises but then part of it is also certainly um like good fortune i i don't think there, there's some injuries you just can't control yeah. and i luckily mm-hmm. never got into any like terrible situations like that so we'll, we'll knock on wood still yeah. whether yeah. you're playing I did. or not you. i actually did <laughs> yeah i did i did too i don't joke when i say that <laughs> all right Who's, okay oh sorry girl you go F- favorite player uh like to i'm watch? sorry i'm sorry did we do this one i'm sorry no I'm we totally didn't lost okay favorite player no. yeah any <laughs> like to, to watch, watch or, or your role model or anything Oh, um, I mean, for me, Iniesta was like my ultimate, like I love watching him play. Um, yeah, I'll go with him. Quality answer. All right. What's your favorite pregame meal? 
Uh, I'm a huge fan of breakfast. Like I would eat some eggs and toast and some like yogurt and fruit and granola, no matter what time the game is. Like it could be a night game. So that so you weren't a big like slam down some pancakes and. <laughs> Um, no I would do pancakes I just am too lazy to make them on my own so like if we would we would always go my my favorite team I ever played for was FC Kansas City and we would always go to this restaurant called First Watch like a breakfast place uh, on game days and I would get a huge breakfast and then I'd bring back some pancakes and like heat them up before the game so definitely pancakes but not if I have to make them because that's too messy I'm really lazy when it comes to cooking (laughs) um biggest fear um I am wow. Now we're getting really deep. Well, I can go. I can go like real life on this, or like soccer fear. Anything. Um, you ch- you choose. Okay, we'll do soccer fear. I'm not really ready to delve into my like ultimate life fears right now with you guys all over the phone. Maybe more in person type thing. Um, yeah, I think like for me, um, my biggest fear in the game was like not reaching my potential or looking back and saying like, oh, if only I had done this or worked hard or like made this other decision. Um, so that really like drove a lot of how I did everything is like, I always wanted to be as thorough as possible. Cause I never wanted mm-hmm. to be like, Oh my gosh, if I just didn't did my ankle exercises, I wouldn't have rolled my ankle or whatever it was. So I literally <laughs> was a psycho and would do them like every day. I feel like you are so disciplined though. Mm-hmm. Like that's one thing that like you really did everything that you possibly could to be the best player that you could be. So don't have that fear. <laughs> well, thank you. I think I've like kind of gotten over it through some therapy and some time away from playing, but yeah. it still would be no- my number that one. That helps. <laughs> yeah, therapy always helps everything. All right, what is your favorite thing to do on a day off, even though I think I already know the answer to this? <laughs> uh, honestly, I haven't had a day off from, a, from like everything in so long. I'm, I love doing nothing at this point. I like can't wait for a day where I literally have nothing to do. And when I have nothing to do, I would like literally sitting in like the backyard of my parents' house. One day I need a yard. I need to buy a house if anyone wants to donate to that point. (laughs) But um, (laughs) sitting in the backyard of my parents' house with a nice cup of coffee with like my loved ones and my dog just hanging out is like my ultimate. Yeah, that sounds very nice. I was going to say, I feel like a soccer ball ends up becoming a part of your day off no matter what. (laughs) yeah you know it used to but now I'm like a little bit more my um my recent years have maybe a little more normal I used to be like extra psycho and it would have been like playing soccer tennis and then doing some training but (laughs) but yeah I actually appreciate relaxation a little bit now it's weird yeah that's good we always we always tell (laughs) lady ballers we're like really take advantage of your off days and like just sit like relax because you know it's so rare like of course you know still running a business but that involves soccer but like it's so true like to really just enjoy it and a nice cup of coffee is literally all we really need to to be happy (laughs) yeah but you got to like teach yourself to relax just like you teach yourself to work hard it takes some time you got to be patient because I literally took took me like years to I was like what is this thing like you're supposed to be comfortable sometimes I can't do it I well, I actually heard this from a podcast, but it's like you have you can work out, but you also have to focus on working in. So like doing things that don't mm. involve like stressing yourself out, you know. And uh, it's it's so true. So I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, Yael, you. Thank are you amazing. so much, Yael. Yeah. Thank you. Oh, no, I appreciate it, guys. This was a, a fun conversation. So thank you for uh, for having me on the podcast. And we didn't even say congrats. You're expecting. That's so exciting. Thank you. Yeah, it's super weird. I'm like, I'm actually going to be a mother in charge of a life. But we... It's amazing. <laughs> so that'll be another be, you guys adventure. are going to be great parents. You Thank really you. Will. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm so <laughs> Thanks, happy for guys. you guys. Thank well, you. enjoy the rest of your day. Have some relaxation time. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.